So it's good to see you. We're, uh, we're continuing our study in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And one of the aspects of the Lord's Prayer, we don't realize when you pray the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is, you know, I'm sure you've heard this. Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As we pray the Lord's Prayer, what, what Jesus is teaching us is not just a prayer, and it's not, I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray this prayer. We can, this is a great prayer to pray. But this prayer represents a lot of different kinds of prayer. And so you actually need to know what the Word of God says because this, this prayer, you can imagine Jesus praying this prayer. Jesus is representing the revelation of God through this prayer. And so he's teaching us how to pray, not just one kind of prayer, but he's teaching us how to pray all kinds of prayers. And so that's why we need to know this. So today we're going to talk about give us today our daily bread and how, how important it is for us to learn how to rely upon God for everything that we need. We're learning, you know, one of the things that's hard for us because, I mean, even in our culture, uh, the American culture really celebrates the self-made man. And God wants us to be a God-made man, to learn dependence upon him and to learn to rely upon him. That doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to do everything that we need to do. Yes, we do. But he wants us to learn to rely upon him. So they were talking about, you know, give us this day, our daily bread. Now, what's, what's fun about this, 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 give us this day, our daily bread, it's the first part of the prayer that talks about petition. And petitionary prayer is the kind of prayer we're all used to because it's, it's the prayer where we get to ask for stuff. So we, I mean, generally when we think about prayer, this is what we think about. This is one aspect of prayer. It's not all of prayer. This is, and that's what we're learning. We're learning that through the Lord's prayer, this is one aspect of prayer. We're learning to pray and God wants you to ask for stuff. The Bible's pretty clear about that. I mean, there's, there's, there's verses uh, that have to do with Matthew 21, 21, 22. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith and don't doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, he had told the fig tree to die and it had died, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask in prayer. Now, that seems like a pretty blank check, doesn't it? If you believe... You will receive whatever you ask in prayer. So it sounds like whatever you ask in prayer, you're going to get. How many of you have found that that doesn't work? Right? Whatever you ask in prayer, you don't get. So we know prayer doesn't work like it seems like what he's saying here. So what, what's he saying? What does it mean? Well, one of the things that it means is that give us today our daily bread is in the middle of the prayer. It's not in the beginning. So this is being, this prayer is, is being uh, measured by the, the prayers above it. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. So those things, it's understanding how those things relate to petitionary prayer. Because petitionary prayer only works if you know 
who God is as your father and you know who you are in relationship to God as your father. So petitionary prayer only works if you understand who God is. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift from, is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. First thing you realize, every good thing in your life is because of God. So you ought to be thankful. You ought to be thankful that, that God doesn't change. You ever wake up moody or get moody during the day? And, you know, your husband or wife may say, what are you being so cranky about? I'm not being cranky. That's pretty much the evidence that you are, okay? So, so uh, I hired a tile guy this week, and he is the grumpiest person. I mean, have you ever, he's like, Ugh. you just, you ask him a question, he's like, you can't really, I'm not really sure ever what he said back. Hey, what are you, what are we going to do there? I'm going to die right now. Oh, okay, yeah, great. Uh, Grumpy, but aren't you glad that God doesn't ever change his mind about you? It's like he, he doesn't love you today and then not love you tomorrow because you messed up. Because he doesn't stop loving you because you sin. He doesn't change his mind about you. Because I don't know if you know this, your righteousness, here's the good news. Your righteousness is not dependent upon you. Your righteousness is dependent upon the complete work of Jesus on the cross. We get his righteousness. We're not manufacturing our own. Because if so, we would have righteousness one day, not righteousness one day. Righteousness for part of a day, righteousness for 15 minutes, the rest of the time, not so good. Right? But not in Christ. So he doesn't change his mind about us because he views us through the righteousness of Christ. And here's the other good news. You can't earn God's favor. Now, we're in the new season of the year, and a lot of people are doing a lot of New Year stuff, you know, and we're even doing this, we want you to pray, read your Bible through the year, and here's, here's what you got to realize. You can do a Daniel fast, God doesn't love you more. You get that? I'm not saying don't do a Daniel fast. I mean, drink those juices and eat those fruits, do it. But you're not going to earn, it doesn't mean God's going to owe you something. See, a lot of times our view is, I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm, I'm going to make it really tough. I'm going to not eat. So if I don't eat, hey, God, you better pay up, buddy. <laughs> Listen, because the day you decide to fast, they're going to have the best food around you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> they're going to bring steaks. Hey, we decided to bring steaks to work today. What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? And see, you're not supposed to tell them why. Well, I'm not eating. Why not? I'm just not. Because then you're going to lose your reward anyway. So you might as well eat a steak. <laughs> right? So it's crazy. So we struggle with that. But here's the good news. He doesn't change. He doesn't change because you do something good. He doesn't say, oh, now I really love Randy because look at all the good stuff he did. Oh, I don't like Randy so much because look at the bad stuff he did. It doesn't change. There's no shifting shadows with God. You understand that about, so you understand that about who God is. So when you pray petitionary prayer, you understand who you are. This is so important that you know who you are in Christ and who God is, how good he is. Matthew 7, 7, 7 says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then... Though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? What's God like? He wants to give us good gifts. He says, compared to God, you're evil. 
I've never given my kids a snake. I've been tempted. <laughs> but ne- so far, I haven't done it. Romans 8:28. I like this. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him. God works all things for the, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God is working in your life for your good and his purpose. Doesn't always feel that way, but he's working for your good and his purpose. He's, he answers prayer in relationship to your good and his purpose. John Newton says this in one of his songs. You know who John Newton is? Amazing Grace guy. He wrote Amazing Grace. Pretty good song. Uh, and he wrote, he, John Newton wrote a lot of songs. John Newton was, a, was a, a ship's captain that ended up becoming a slave on his own boat because he was in such trouble. So, and the boats that he was on were slave boats. But in, in the midst of that, John Newton got saved. And he ended up serving the Lord the rest of his life. And he ended up helping to abolish slavery. He was very involved with William Wilberforce in abolishing slavery. But in the midst of that, he, he heard the, the songs from the slaves underneath in the bottom in the hold of the ship. And he was there too because he was a, he was a slave. And uh, out of those, those tunes, he wrote Amazing Grace. But here's, here's what, so John Newton had a great connection with God. Here's what he says. Thou art coming to a king. Large petitions would thee bring. For his grace and power are such none can ever ask too much. Here's the thing. We serve a big God, and he wants you to ask big things. God wants to do big things in your life, bigger things than you could even imagine. We prayed for the quals in the first service, and the quals are going to South Africa. Mark and Carrie and their four children are going to be missionaries in South Africa. And, you know, it's, it's an incredible thing. God called them to it. He prepared them for it. And they're, going, and, and they're not like, oh, I've got to go to Africa. They're like, we can't wait. And that's the work of God in their life. God's going to call you to big things. He's not going to call everybody to Africa. But he's, you know, he, if God calls you to Africa, when you get to go, you'll want to go. God called me to preach, and I was like, what? I'm not doing that. But... It's the, love of, it's the great joy of my life that I've got to, that I've got to t- torture y'all week after week. You know, I've enjoyed that. So God wants to do great things in your life, but mostly what God is going to do for you is that he's going to work in you, not do things for you. See, one of the, the, the main work of God in your life, he's working for your good and his purpose, your good, is that he wants you to look more like Jesus tomorrow than you do today. Now, positionally righteous, you are positionally perfect and righteous in Christ. Practically, we're not there yet. Are you there yet? Anybody there yet? You know, you're sitting in the back seat. Are we there yet? No. We're on the way. We're not there yet. So what's the Father working? Well, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Peace, I love this. It's peace, forbearance. You know, they made it forbearance because patience is so hard. Let's make it a word they don't know. Uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what's God doing? He's working 
in your life to fulfill his will, his word, his way, the nature and character of Christ. So petitionary prayer works when we understand who God is and who we are in relationship to God. You got to get that. That's foundational. You got to get who God is and who I am in relationship to what Christ has done for me. Secondly, petitionary prayer only works if you have the right perspective. Hallowed be thy name. Remembering who God is is the most important thing. Remembering who God is in your life. If I forget that Christ is all that I need, if I forget that Christ is enough, if I forget that my sufficiency is in Christ, then when crisis or difficulty comes, I'm going to worry. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to be fearful. I'm not going to have peace. But if I remember who, who God is, if I remember that God is the sinner and I'm not, that I can depend upon him, I can put my trust in him. I've said, if, if I forget who he is, I forget who I am. Because my identity is tied up in Christ. I, I, Paul said, I found myself in him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but the righteousness that is found in Christ alone. I found myself in him. Colossians 1.15, I like this. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, and he's the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Before I petition God, before I bring my list of things to God, I need to always realign with him as the center and not me. He's the center. He's before all things. He's the center. He is the purpose. He is the hallowed. You know how you can tell what your motivation is? For God to tell you no. Nothing will reveal your motivation like unanswered prayer. Are your reasons for being a Christian to love and serve the God you love with your life or for God to serve you and make you happy? Just throwing that out there. Does God owe you? Who is hallowed? You or God? Do you ever, you, I just, you hear these kind of things. God, you didn't give me what I wanted when I wanted it. So I believe you're deficient God who doesn't even love as, God, love as good as I do because if my children asked for this, I would give it to them. That means that you're more hallowed than God is. You think your values what, what you want is more important than what God's will is. We have things like, how, this, how could this happen to me? So what are we saying? I wish it had happened to Wayne instead. You know, Lord, I wish this hadn't happened to me. Shove it on over to Wayne. What good is it to be a Christian if I don't get what I want? Here's what Paul learned about unanswered prayer. And I say unanswered prayer because it's not really unanswered prayer. It's an answered prayer, but it's an answer we don't like. It, there is an answer to the prayer and the answer is no. 
So we don't like that. So Paul, the Lord calls him on the road to Damascus, and he's a self-righteous, religious Pharisee who believes that his righteousness is derived by his own actions, and he considers himself to be keeping the law perfectly, blameless. He considers himself blameless before God because he's keeping the law. And Jesus grabs a hold of him on the road to Damascus and says, hey, you need to start worshiping me. And he says, okay. And he says, you're going to be my apostle to the Gentiles. Calls him out of the midst of that. So in the midst of that, the Lord gives him a bunch of revelations. He gets to see a bunch of things so that he'll understand the fullness of what God is doing. And he says, so because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh. Thank you, Jesus. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what did Jesus say to him? No. And which I would have said, point of order, you called me, wait a minute, You remember that uh, Damascus Road thing? I was all fat and happy doing what I thought was right, and you knocked me down and made me blind and called me to be the apostle of the Gentiles, and this is the thanks I get? That's why, see, we think our service causes God to owe us, but it never does. God's a debtor to no man. I mean, you know, we'd want to point that out. I've been serving you faithfully, Lord, for these years. Why did this happen to me? And so the Lord says, it was a grace. He says, my grace is sufficient to you. So here's what you got to get. The thorn was a grace because the Lord wanted to teach Paul not to depend upon himself, not to be egotistical. He understood Paul's weakness. He understands your weakness too. He understands my weakness too. So in a grace, he allowed Satan to put a thorn in his life. We don't even know what it is. We don't even know how long it lasted. We don't know if this lasted his whole life or it lasted four weeks. We don't know. We know Paul prayed three times, Lord, take this away. And the Lord said, no, not yet. Or no, not ever. What he said to Paul is, My grace is sufficient for you in the midst of this trouble. We often are praying, God, take this away. I don't like it. It hurts. It's not fun. I didn't sign up for this. And you know, the Lord says, they're your kids. My grace is sufficient. It doesn't matter what the trouble is. It doesn't matter what the difficulty is. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If it, his grace is sufficient. Paul was learning. His grace is sufficient. Petitionary prayer only works if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and the will of God above your own. 
We were praying to our Father in heaven, not the genie in the lamp. You know how the genie in the lamp works? You find the, you find the lamp. I mean, we've seen Aladdin 1 and Aladdin 2, okay? We know how the genie lamp works. You find the lamp. You rub on the lamp. Genie comes out. What do you get? You get three wishes. Anything you want, except you can't raise people from the dead. can't make people fall in love with you. And you can't ask for more wishes. Thank you. I didn't remember the third one. That's the, that's the, that's, that's, and that's how people want to pray. If God makes all these promises and has all this power, how come I'm not getting what I want? Because it's not according to God's will, and it's not for God's kingdom. See, children think they know what they're doing when they don't. I mean, there's nobody more special to me than Edda. And Edda will say things to me like, I help. I help. She's not going to help. <laughs> she's going to be in the way. But she wants to help. She thinks she's helping. And it's okay with me that just for have her there. Children don't have the mental capacity or the experience to understand consequences. And they say that that doesn't really develop until about 25 in men. It's earlier in women. Women mature more quickly than men. That's, I think that's obvious to all of us. <laughs> right? But, it, but children don't have the mental capacity or the experience. You know why you don't do some of the dumb things you did? Because you learned that's stupid. Don't do that again. And then when you have children, you try to help them. You, try to, you don't want to tell them every stupid thing you did, but you want to try to save them. And so you try to say, don't do that. That's not going to work out well. And they think, what do you know? You're old. So because, and you want to say, because I did it three times. It's not going to work out. I know. So we struggle with that. Children don't understand what is safe. They'll go play in the middle of the road. They don't, they don't realize. When Edda was born, I, I put a fence between our back door and the swimming pool. Because kids just see there's water. They don't know. You, in other words, you have to put safety there. See, it's a good thing. So the safety catch is the will of God. It's not everything I want. It's not the genie in the lamp. It's the safety catch is the will of God. We, we need a safety catch. You know, you know what happened if your microwave oven, when you pulled the door open, it didn't shut off? You'd have fried brain. Or somebody would. It, 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 would, it would hurt you. It would hurt you. So the safety catch, when you pull on it, it turns it off. The safety catch for us is the will of God. We want God's, we want to say, is this the kingdom of God? Is this for the will of God? I can ask, but one of the qualifiers is, Father, we want your will. Yes. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Think about this. You remember when you got smarter than your parents? <laughs> and then when you got dumber than your parents again? I mean, I remember, I can't remember when it was. It's probably 13 because I was a slow learner. Uh, 
But like 12 or 13, I remember thinking, my dad would tell me a story, and I would think, oh, and I was like, I'm trying to finish it because he's talking so slow. It's like, you know. And then when my kids started to do that, I went like, oh, God. Because, I mean, you know, as a teenager, you're like, oh, can I, can I, can I, hey, can I, can I, can I, can I? No, the way you're coming at me, the answer is no. No. So there was a time when, you know, when you, you, you're, you just think your parents are idiots, and then you mature a little bit, and you grow up, and you look back, and you think, oh, gosh, my, you know what I wish now? My dad's been gone 13 years. No. 16 years. And I'd love to be able to talk to my dad again. I'd love to ask him some stuff. I'd love to have him praying for me. My dad was the best prayer in the world. I miss him. See, children understand. What if, what if you gave a five-year-old child Aladdin's lamp? I'm, I want to tell you, if you gave a five-year-old child Aladdin's lamp, and they started rubbing that lamp, you better start running. <laughs> Because you don't know what they're going to ask for. What about a 10-year-old? 10-year-old any better? Not really. 15-year-old? Ooh, no. It's like, see, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. A 20-year-old? Now a 30-year-old. A 30-year-old, you're mature. Now, let me tell you, as you look back on your 30-year-old self, were you an idiot? Okay, okay. Now, as a 50-year-old, and you look back on your 40-year-old self, were you an idiot then too? Yes. Yes. It never stops. (laughs) Because now you have more experience, and you've learned some things, and you look back and think, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I bought that car. I can't believe I bought that house. I can't believe I made those decisions. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. You look back and you think, what an idiot. So we... (laughs) We don't want a genie in the lamp God who just gives us everything we want. But, you know, we think, well, I prayed for it and I didn't get it. God must not be true. Yes, God is true. But when you pray for it, it needs to be according to his will and for the good of the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So we say, Lord, what we want is your will. We want what's best. John says, we know he hears us when we pray. And when we pray according to the will, his will, he answers us. We know he hears us. And when we pray according to his will, he answers us. Hebrews 5, 7. It's interesting. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. So we know about the Garden of Gethsemane. What this is telling us is that all through Jesus' life, he saw, he saw the cup of death coming. And he would go apart to pray, and he's crying, oh, Lord. He didn't just pray this in the garden. He's praying this his whole ministry. He's offering up cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. He was heard. God heard Jesus' prayer. Father, let this cup pass from me. What did he say? No. See, because the no had something better behind it. What's that old Garth Brooks song? You know, some of God's answered prayers or, you know, aren't you glad that God didn't answer prayer or something like that because you'd end up with that old girlfriend in high school? 
that you thought you'd had to have. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer all those kinds of prayers? Yes. All those give me this and give me that or I need this or I need that. If I had this, I'd be happy. And, and it, it wasn't. It was just your immaturity. Some, so the father says to Jesus, Jesus says, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He says, no, it's not possible. It's not my will and it's not my kingdom. No. But what happened was the cross. And the cross looks like a defeat. But it's not. Because on the cross, he paid for our sins. He purchased our salvation. And it looks like a defeat because he dies on the cross and they put him in the grave. And that looks like a defeat. But it's not. Because he destroys death. He kills death. Hell in the grave. He has the keys. And so now he's changed death. He's changed death. Jesus dies death and he changes it. So what looks like a defeat is instead, God's will looks like defeat. Oh, well, he's going to die on the cross and he's going to be put in the tomb. But it's not the end because there's a resurrection. Now, what if Jesus had done it his way? We would have lost the victory of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. Sometimes you lose out because you do it your way instead of waiting for God's way. You think, well, I, this doesn't make, well, this doesn't make any sense to me. Do you think that God, everything the God of the universe knows, you're going to understand and agree with? If, if your God never says something to you that you can't understand or that you disagree with, that's not a God of his making. That's a God of your making. Because the God of the Bible is going to say things that you're going to go like, whoa, that's hard. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Because he wants us to understand his will and his way. So here's the thing. Petitionary prayer works when we have a loving Heavenly Father who is working for our good. We've got to remember that. I've got a loving Heavenly Father that's working for my good. When I'm in correct perspective, I remember that he is God and I am not. He's God and I'm not. And when I'm praying for his kingdom and his will. Then, I, then I, can, I can have a list of prayers because I can pray the list of prayers because I'm in the right perspective. I'm in God's will. I'm wanting his best. I'm not just willy-nilly praying these things. Well, God, you ought to give me these things. I'm going to say, Lord, I want for my good and your purpose. I want you to work everything for my good and your purpose. Amen? Make sense? All right, let's stand. I've got two minutes. Not that I don't owe you a couple of minutes here and there or so. Lord, help us in prayer. Teach us how to pray. Lord, we're, we tend to be immature and like little children. We want the genie in the lamp. We know the genie in the lamp is not what we need. We need the God of the universe the one who is the center of it all, the one who's holding all things together, the one who spoke it all into existence, one who holds it all in his hand. My life is in the one who holds it all and who made it all. I can put my trust in him. So, Father, I bring my problems to you because you're a loving Heavenly Father. I bring my problems to you because I, I believe 
that you're the center of it all. And Lord, I bring my problems to you because I believe your kingdom come and will be done. I want to see your will done in my life. I want to see your kingdom in my life. I want to be more like Jesus than I am today. In Jesus' name, amen.